It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. The podcast is Smart Money Questions. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Matt Hausman, and we've got another great topic on the way for you today. This is the podcast where we talk about how to improve your financial life and learn a little bit about the financial landscape that we're all trying to navigate through. Matt is the founder of Old Security Group with offices in Westchester, Pennsylvania and in Newark, Delaware, but serving clients all across the country. And on the past podcast, we were talking about financially savvy grandparenting. And so now we'll pick up with part two of that conversation. These are seven tips for how you can raise financially savvy well, children, but mostly we're focusing on grandkids here as well, and how you can get them to grow into financially savvy adults. So, Matt, I'm going to give a quick recap before we dive into our next couple of tips. Don't underestimate the power of the Roth IRA was our first tip. The second was to understand how to help with college savings and that there are other options out there besides the 529 plan. And then find creative ways to help kids have an appreciation for saving and investing. So those were our first three tips. If you haven't heard part one of Financially Savvy Grandparenting, I don't know, Matt. I guess I'd encourage to go listen to that one first and then pop back over to this one. But it's probably not like one of those movie sequels where, you know, you have to see the first movie before the second. I don't Correct. Know. I would agree. We're, we're not going to find out that the Roth IRA, or we're not going to be a spoiler alert, that the Roth IRA <laughs> dies in Section 2, right? <laughs> That's not going to happen. It's still going to be around, trust me. So, exactly. But I, exactly. I, we would, I would suggest going and, and taking a listen to it. This is like the old Star Wars debate, you know? Do you watch Star Wars in the order in which they were made or in the chronological order that we now know them to be in? Let me tell you a story about that one real quick. So we had family over the other day, and we are sitting there talking. And, and I'm not going to mention family members' names, but <laughs> let's just say that one of them is a very, very, very big Star Wars okay. fan and has since had that go through to the children and my son ended up saying, yeah, I've never seen any of them. Man, you oh. would have, I mean, you heard a pin drop when he said that. I mean, and it wasn't just the adult, but it was the kids. Like everyone's mouth is just open. Like you have not watched Star Wars. And he brought up the fact, why do I want to start with episode four? Yeah. And then go back to episode oh, one and gosh. jump all the way to nine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was so comical. I mean, it was good. Well, your son and I are in the same. I've, I have seen the original Star Wars, the first one, but that's it. I haven't seen any others. Yeah, well, I know. I that's ha that's heresy to some people. Empire Strikes Back or? Oh, uh, I, I take that back. I saw the one with Jar Jar Binks. And uh, when I tell people that I really enjoyed that one, which I guess is the very, very first one in the series, even though it was the, what, fourth one made, if I'm doing all the math correctly. I, I say, oh, yeah, that was my fun. I loved pod racing. I thought Jar Jar Binks was a great character. People just dismiss me and just don't listen to a word I have to say after that when it comes to Star <laughs> Wars. So I think I gave up on trying to become a fan after that. I was like, oh, I thought the pod racing was cool. But <laughs> <laughs> other folks, uh, I think, try to pretend that that episode never existed in the Star Wars series. Nonetheless, that's all to say we won't have a big debate over whether you listen to Savvy Grandparenting Part 1 or Part 2. So without further ado, let's Let's jump in, Matt. Overall, this is tip number four for financially savvy grandparenting. Understand that it's a different world today 
from the one that you grew up in. And this is mostly having to do with expectations, right, Matt? Oh, I totally agree. But one of the things I think is so important, and I would say the wisdom that you can give your grandkids is understanding, easiest way to say it is the work ethic. And the work ethic moving forward and how that corresponds with the grandchild's financial life in my opinion, is going to be huge because the work ethic in many cases has been diminished over the course of the last 10 to 15 years. And what I have seen is that the younger generation, if they can come in with the work ethic, the opportunities for them dramatically soar. And the ones that aren't willing to work, they're not going to be able to keep up. And so with the other things that we talked about with regards to like the Roth IRA, having an appreciation for saving and investing, if they don't have that strong work ethic that more than likely you possessed and maybe still possess is something you can share with them that will dramatically help them in their overall financial life. You know, I read an article and as my kids are listening to this right now, they've been hearing this year after year going back about six years. And that was a Harvard business review that talked about the next generation, the millennial generation and those after, it said that due to the world's economy now and technology allowing us to interact with people around the world while we're sitting in our living room or in our office here, is that if you're not great as an American, if you're not great, you will be outsourced. And it's hard for the younger generation to recognize that. But I was just watching an interview the other day with Phil Knight, you know, co-founder of Nike. He was putting on his big invitational tournament this last weekend. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the and, big PK-80 thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, correct. And one of the questions that the commentator asked him was, do you think that you'll be able to bring, you know, shoemaking back to America? I mean, think about that. Do you think you'll be able to bring it? And his comment was, yeah, the technology is getting there. The problem is when it comes back to America is 90% of it is going to be robotics. Wow. You know, so the work ethic is, in my opinion, something that should be discussed from the grandparents and the parents down to the kids, because the ones that have it are going to, I mean, they're going to skyrocket in their financial ability to earn money, not be outsourced. But those that don't, I mean, unfortunately, they're going to be left, you know, by the side. I view that part of the debate, you know, this sort of, and I had this with my parents when I went through college or it was approaching college, and they kind of said, you know, well, we didn't, we didn't save a whole lot for you to go to college. We're going to be there to help you pay for a lot of the incidentals, and we'll try to help cover, you know, either tuition or room and board. But even that's going to be a stretch, and we're just going to. You know, you're just going to have to pay your own way through school. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to take out loans. You're just going to have to do a lot of it on your own. We're sorry. That's just how it's going to be. And But I knew that very early on, knew that going in, and that was fine. And I did. I worked multiple jobs going through school, and I worked. A, I was very fortunate to work a lot of jobs that were in my career field. And the experience that I was getting was a lot more important, I think, than in some ways than some of the classroom instruction that I got. I mean, I picked up a lot more from a couple of my, you know, broadcasting internships than I did from my, you know, Italian archaeology class. 
So not to <laughs> not not to diss or downplay Italian archaeology. It's just that other than maybe answering a Jeopardy question, I'm not quite sure I'll see the connection of you know how that eventually benefited me down the line. Other than a really really stressful final exam that I had to take because I hadn't been paying attention all year long. I'd been you know <laughs> do, working all these other jobs. But that's the debate, right? Now if I I went to school for broadcasting and and communication type stuff, so the experience was really important. So working and kind of putting my way through school that way kind of went hand in hand. But if you go to school to become a lawyer or a doctor, do you really want your child or your grandchild spending a lot of time? Work ethic is important. Paying your dues is important. Grinding, all of those things are important values. But it's such a competitive world these days. If you're spending all this money on college, don't you want, if you're going to be in some of these, you know, really big, incredible fields like, you know, medicine and, and law and these kinds of things, wouldn't you want your student spending more time studying and in the classroom and not worrying about having to pick up a double shift that night to help pay for X, Y, Z at the restaurant? Doesn't that kind of pull away from the overall mission here? So that's where I think it's definitely a different world today is there's so much demand academically in some of these fields where the expectation of working your way through school is a little out of whack. Also, I took my cousins on a tour of uh, Duke when they were visiting not too long ago, Matt, uh, this past summer. I think the average uh, yearly tuition cost of Duke is getting up there near $80,000. Unbelievable. Per year. Not the whole time you're there. Just one year. 80000 bucks. And so you're not going to work your way through school with that kind of cost on your on your ledger, even if it was half that cost, that would still be crazy. Yeah. And when the other thing is what you point out, I think is is really important that should be shared with the kids. And that is as they're going through that, you know, we hope that they don't have to worry about, like you said, picking up a double shift. But it is so important for them to even reach outside of the classroom and get the experiences that you talked about within your field. Most importantly, to make sure that, you know, if I'm going to spend that 80 G's a year, that when I come out, it's what I really like to do. You know, yeah. I've, I've talked to kids that have, have graduated school with honors and they get out in the field and in six months they're like, what was I thinking? Because there's such a difference that happens from the classroom to the real world. Yep. So I you guess know? what we're trying to communicate here, Matt, sounds like you and I are on the same page of it's good to want to instill work ethic and and maybe not be like, well, I don't want to just pay for their school. I feel like they should have some skin in the game there, too. It's good to still have that mentality, but at the same time realize that they can't really do it all on their own these days. There needs to be help from some direction. So maybe f- look for the right balance. Realize Correct. the importance and the impact that your help will have, but at the same time you don't have to go completely overboard and, and just pay for everything where they don't have any skin in the game. Find the balance. Correct. That's the 100% key. agree. So that's, uh, that's tip number four for financially savvy grandparenting. How about number five? And that is to gift money with purpose. A lot of people do this kind of thing, I think. Oh, and this is, you know, it kind of goes back to like our planning that we do here is I always talk to people about position with purpose. All your money doesn't have the same purpose, so we don't put it all in the same location. And the same can be said with the gifts that you're giving your grandkids is take the time to let them understand exactly that. So for instance, I'm going to give $250 
as the birthday gift or the graduation gift. Cause you know, we do that now beginning at kindergarten every year after that. So, you know, if it's going to be that $250, how much of that are you going to put away and what are you putting it away for? And in some cases it's maybe it's better not to dictate what that should be for, but get the child to ask them the questions. Where do you think this should be going? So they're starting to also recognize the importance of their decision. Their decision-making is going to be a huge part of their success as they keep going, whether it's with money or anything else. Hugely important. So find ways to maybe earmark gift money so that it's not just going down the drain. Look for other opportunities there. Another one, Matt, tip number six for financially savvy grandparents, don't downplay the importance of money. The uh, first several tips were all things that you can do. Here's something not to do, and that's to downplay the importance of of money. That might seem a little bit counterintuitive, but why would we say that? Well, because if we downplay money, then they don't have an appreciation for it. At least this is my opinion. And so we want to have an open dialogue or conversation with the importance. Now, we always want to be talking about balance and all that kind of stuff as well. We don't want to just live to make money, but we also want to understand the importance that money plays in our life as a whole. And so downplaying it sometimes can remove the importance of it because the reality is it, you know, it still is what makes the world go round. So, and it can help them become self-sufficient and finding that balance in their own way. Yeah, I think that one's huge. And casual conversations, Matt, help a lot foster that mentality. It doesn't always have to be, all right, Johnny, now let's sit down and, you know, talk about, you know, the stock market. You need to really pay attention to this, you know. You can find casual ways to bring that up in conversation. Um, Are you sure you want to spend all your money on, you know, on this video game when you could do, you know, this with those dollars or... You know, find other ways. I think uh, one thing that my dad would do with me that was kind of creative is if I was really interested in buying something, he'd, he'd let me think about it. And then he'd say, now, I'll give you another option. If you can resist the temptation to buy this today and loan me your money, basically use me as your bank, you know, instead of spending the $40 today on this, I'll give you back $50 next week. And then not only can you come back and get what you want now, you might be able to afford a little something extra as well. And so that was his kind of way of talking about, you know, he just brought in things of patience and, you know, that virtue to go along with just, you know, these casual conversations in everyday life where we could talk about different elements of money and using it as a tool and, and those kinds of things. So, yeah, Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because let's also remember that when we're talking to our kids or our grandkids, they're, the casual conversations, in my opinion, have much more sticking power than the formal ones because they're still kids. Yeah. Right. The idea is to get them to think that the idea was their own to begin with. So it's, and it's interesting what you just brought up because the other thing that that does is it provides the child with, or the grandchild with an aspect of delayed gratification. My son was a big gamer when he was younger and we went through the process of, you know, you can only play games on the weekend. You can't do it during the week because of school, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But it was on his own that he found out that instead of paying $40 for that brand new game, I only got to wait a month and then I could go pick it up at the used game place. Yep. And so then he, instead of paying, you know, $40, he might've only been paying 15. And that was the way he was able to stretch his money and really get to see the benefit of that delayed gratification. Cause he knows what's going to happen, especially when we're talking about gaming, 
And that is, you're going to blaze through the game. These kids figure out how to get to the last very quickly. Yeah. And then what are they doing with it? They're wanting to go somewhere else, meaning yeah. another game. So it really is, uh, I think that's uh, goes back to what you were saying, is it still is important to have those conversations and not downplaying. There's so many other things that we can teach them about the importance of money. The adult version of that is every time a new iPhone comes out, right? That <laughs> Don't be the one that's sitting in line, you know, just chopping at the bit to get that brand new $1,000 iPhone. You know, wait a month and it'll be half that price on special and you'll get two months free contract or, you know, something like that. Same. Oh, absolutely. Same. And, and we already know, I was talking to someone today that they went and they got, Target was having a deal where if you activated the new iPhone 8 through them, you got a $250 gift card at Target. Okay. So they went there and did that. Here's the funny thing. Brand new, out of the box, doesn't work. Won't make phone calls. <laughs> you know, you can't make this up. No. Went to Apple. Apple gave them a new phone. Then said you had to walk up to AT&T. They're at the mall doing this, right? On a Saturday. Walked up to AT&T. AT&T couldn't get it to work. Had to walk back down to Apple. Got a brand new phone. Still wasn't making a phone call. Went back up to AT&T. They finally put three SIM cards in it, and it worked. Oh, my you know? God. Now. You're probably not having that problem with a seven, <laughs> an iPhone seven. So you're not correct. only are you avoiding uh, getting the better deals, but you're maybe avoiding things that don't work. Um, correct. <laughs> let, let let all the bugs get worked out first. All helpful tips. All right, one last one, and then we'll wrap things up for our two part series here on financially savvy grandparenting. Understand how kids, especially teenagers now, so some of this advice we've given has been for like really young kids maybe, but some of it applies to the teens, and this is especially good advice for them. Understand how they might perceive your complaints about the economy and the stock market. So not necessarily about you know, money and teaching values of, okay, now this is how you're spending or make sure you save this, but just the, the broader view of the economy and the stock market, understand how teenagers might perceive those views. Why would that be something that's really important, Matt? Well, because one thing, and I always remember my parents talking to me about this when, when I first had my first child, was they're always listening to us. And we don't want to skew their perception, especially to the negative when we're constantly voicing those negative words or what we're hearing on the news. And I would say to this, not only just about the economy and the market, but just in general, you know, I always caution clients with all the negativity that's out there not to buy into it. You know, the reality is the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And if it doesn't, hopefully I'm seeing you in heaven, right? <laughs> but yeah. the aspect of if they're hearing that, I always remember my parents never spoke poorly. I never heard them talk negative about the market. Even in 87, when I remember I, I was living in Florida at the time, I was a junior and hearing about, you know, Black Monday and the story of the stockbroker that down in Miami that jumped out of a 10 story building, mm. never talked about it. I had to hear it from other places. And so as I went through growing up, I always just remember the benefit of not, now I didn't know it at the time, but the benefit of not hearing that really kind of gave me a more positive aspect, not only for money, but what the market opportunity is there, what the economy that we have, and the opportunities that I would be able to basically have a glass half full and continue to increase it over time. So it, it really is important, not only for your kids and your grandkids, but then also for yourself and for your own mentality as you listen or 
as you're watching those things. And we're bombarded by it all the time now. Yep. So just, you know, remember to keep it doesn't mean you have to always be positive because there are times when you can be negative about those, you know, macro level things. It's just, you know, be aware of sort of always being doom and gloom. That stuff really soaks in and you want to avoid kind of, I guess, tainting their view of the world. Let them discover some of it on their own and give them that, you know, it's it's healthy for us and it'd also be healthy for them to remember to have kind of that balanced viewpoint. And I guess as sort of a finishing comment here, Matt, a lot of these tips always come back to that central theme, as it does with many aspects of life. It all comes back to balance. So. Absolutely. You know, and is it kind of funny? Balance now has become the new word. Life balance, you know, mm. portfolio balance, yeah. all of that. Work, but when you really balance, think about it, it's so true. Yeah, it's very true. And it, you may say it's the new word, but that's what I've always heard from my folks. It's always about balance. You know, just <laughs> just don't go too far to the extremes and you should be all right, you know. So that's right. a good conversation to have, I think, certainly. Well, there you go. Some of the uh, tips that you should keep in mind to become a financially savvy grandparent. If you have tips that you would like to share with us that we didn't cover in our, what I feel like it was an exhaustive list, but we'd always love to hear other ideas, uh, you can submit your comments and thoughts to us online at smartmoneyquestions.com or just shoot Matt an email with your thoughts and comments. Uh, you can also call Matt if you need help with maybe your financial plan or teaching your own grandkids about how to be financially savvy adults in the future, uh, you can give them a call at 610-719-3003. Again, that's 610-719-3003. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We'll talk to you again next time on Smart Money Questions. 